There's no question that welcoming a child into our family turns our worlds upside down. It can be a very lonely and a very challenging time. Our guest today, Lori Mahalik-Levin, talks about how the birth of her two sons turned her world upside down and left her in a spiral of both chaos and beauty. Can you relate? She searched for resources and support for getting through this time, but couldn't find any. So, like any good entrepreneur, she created them. Lori is the founder and CEO of Mindful Return, author of Back to Work After Baby, How to Plan and Navigate a Mindful Return from Maternity Leave, and co-host of the Parents at Work podcast. She is mama to two wonderful redheaded boys, ages 9 and 11, and is a healthcare lawyer in private practice. Her thought leadership has been featured in publications including Forbes, The Washington Post, New York Times Parenting, Thrive Global, and The Huffington Post. Working with thousands of working caregivers and those who employ them, she makes this transitional time one that enables leaders not just to survive, but to grow, thrive, and advance their careers. We have a great conversation packed with practical advice for caregivers and leaders of caregivers, and I know you'll get a lot out of it. But first, let me introduce myself and Moms That Lead. Are you feeling stuck in your leadership or life? Like each day is a repeat of the one before it? Is your health and well-being suffering as a result? Or maybe you're feeling like you finally have the opportunity to make the impact that you've been longing for, but want to make sure you're honing your leadership skills and focusing on your well-being so that this high will last. Either way, I'm here for you. I'm Terry Schmidt, your host and leadership mentor. I'm a corporate leader and coach turned nonprofit founder with over 20 years experience developing others toward their full potential. At Moms That Lead, we know that leadership is not about position and that moms have a unique ability to lead and inspire others in all of their circles. We're here to help you thrive so that you can make the impact you long for in your workplace, community, and family. So if you're ready to ditch mom guilt and activate your strengths, let's jump in. Hi, Lori. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you for having me, Terry. I'm so excited to be here with you. And moms and leadership are two of my favorite topics of all time. So I'm really, really excited about that. Well, that's great. They're definitely our favorites as well, if you can't tell by the name of the podcast, <laughs> <Yes>. obviously. <laughs> well, I'd love to start with learning a little bit more about kind of your passion and your leadership, what you do in your work today, and then your journey to get there, why that is so important to you. Sure. So I tend to start off by saying that I wear three main hats in life. One is that I am a healthcare lawyer by training, and that is currently my side gig. I practice law on the side now. My main gig is Mindful Return, which I'm happy to talk about, but it really is a program whose mission is to support new parents through the transition back to work after parental leave and to mm -hmm. help employers retain their working parent talent. And then hat number three is that I am mom to two wonderful boys. They are both redheads. They are <laughs> nine and 11 years old. And wow. let's see what else. One is about to go to middle school next year. So it makes me think, how is it possible that I have been a mother for this long? <laughs> and they were home with us for 15 straight months on lockdown during the mm -hmm. pandemic. So I am so happy that they're in school and we're all where we're supposed to be today. 
And tell us a little bit about that journey. So you don't meet many people that are practicing law on the side um, <laughs> as a yeah. side gig. And I would love to hear more about mindful return and kind of how that came to be. Of course. So, I mean, law was my main gig and my only gig for quite a while. And I was in private practice at a law firm. And then I um, made a transition over to a healthcare trade association where I was doing healthcare policy work and I had a full time policy role. Mm. And I had both of my boys. And my husband and I like to say that one plus one felt like 85. And the, <laughs> wheels, <laughs> the wheels were coming off. And I was really, I was in an organization that was family friendly. However, mm. nobody was talking about the transition back to work after parental leave. Mm. And when I came back, I was struggling mightily and mom after mom would come into my office, shut the door, burst into tears and say like, something's really hard. Like, why is this so hard? And I looked around online for resources that could support the parent through the transition, the personal and professional identity transition that happens mm -hmm. when you become a working parent. And all I found were wonderful resources about my baby. And I was like, but what about me? I found right. snarky advice about how I might leak on my shirt or I shouldn't put pictures of my kids on my desk or I wouldn't be taken seriously. And that was not helpful. No, no. <laughs> and so, you know, at some point I became crazy and said, you know, I have a two-year-old and an 11 month old and, you know, Somebody needs to create something to fill the gap. <laughs> and my husband, who's an entrepreneur and God bless him, like believes that I can do crazy things that are, the, you know, a risk averse lawyer would never dream of. Mm -hmm. said, well, what are you going to do about it? And I started blogging. My hands were shaking and I was sitting there writing my first blog post. And, you know, I was all terrified to write something. Of course, like five people probably read it. But at that point, I became really fired up to do something about supporting that transition to parenthood. So mm -hmm. first I created a working parent group at my office and later became a serial founder of working parent groups and the convener of the leaders of working parent groups. And then I said, this is much bigger than my own office. And I decided to create this online program to help support new parents through the transition. So mm -hmm. it was my own desperation, Terry, and really creating what I wished had existed for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I think, where some of the best ideas and the best mm. programs and the best businesses come out of. And what an important mission, because it is something that is not talked about and mm -hmm. not supported. Obviously, much more so now because of your work, yeah. but it's, it's so important because, yeah, you know, for all caregivers to have that support. Yes. Yeah. So a couple of things, one, when I was starting this eight years ago, I would talk to companies and they would say things like, like, what is this? And why should I care? That is not the conversation we're having now. Now it's employers reaching out saying, I need to support my working parents. What can I do? And that is a real development, I think, from the time when we started off. The second thing you mentioned, all caregivers, I started off the program, just supporting new moms and about a year and a half in, it became very apparent that we needed to support dads too, in part mm -hmm. because employers said, we need to be able to offer something that's gender neutral and available to everyone. So I teamed up with a dad who at the time was blogging on a blog that was called Paternity Leave Pioneer. And he has since shut down that blog. But I found him and said, you, you, I need your help. <laughs> he had taken, his name is Jeremy Smith, and he had taken two extended paternity leaves from Bank of America. And he and I started talking and I said, you know, I really think we need to create something for Mindful Return that helps support dads as well. Because if we're going to have conversations about caregiving that are gender neutral, then we need to include everyone. And he and I co-created the dad version of the Mindful Return course. So yes, just supporting all parents, no matter who oh, they are. That's wonderful. 
That's wonderful. And it's so heartening to hear that you are having that different conversation with organizations when Mm, you're going in now that they are seeking you out because I know based on conversations with like our mutual friend, Amy Henderson and Mm -hmm. others, you know, there's so much potential to be gleaned there if we can take care of those who are going through that transition for the business. It's not Mm -hmm. just the right thing to do. It makes business sense. Yes. Yes. Good sense for everyone all around. So support your working parents. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. Well, speaking of that, I know we've all heard about the great resignation and, and particularly the just mass exodus of working moms leaving the workforce. Why do you think that is such a critical problem for organizations, leadership pipelines? Mm, What a great question. And it's, you know, we're going on two years of this now, Mm -hmm. right? And it's been this like bleeding over time. It's a critical situation for employers. I think at the, just on face value, we look around and you see the short-staffed nature of so many organizations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many law firms and other organizations have said, I just don't have the number of hands on deck that I need. There's mm-hmm. you know, this now war on talent. And so to the extent you want to be able to operate your business at the capacity that you'd like to operate it is a, it is a how many hands on deck can you get issue. And mm-hmm. if you're not retaining people, then you are losing them and you don't have the hands, right? So right, like, it's right. a very simple one plus one equals two. And if you take one away, you only have one issue. Um, I think, but beyond that, you're also losing the skills and talents of such a huge percentage of your workforce. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can get into, and I know Amy Henderson talks Mm -hmm. a lot about the um, skills that we gain through parenthood that make us great leaders, but by having all of these women, moms, parents walk out the door What's walking out the door is institutional knowledge. What's walking Mm -hmm. out the door is creativity and prioritization and the ability to navigate complex situations. And I'm not saying that people who aren't parents don't have those, but we, you know, have to form a diverse workplace, you need all those different skills. Right. And parents have many of them in spades. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they've kind of been forced to have them in in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's it's not just about the hands on deck. It's about the, what is behind and attached to those hands. I yes, guess you could say. exactly. Yes, yeah. it's all of the things. Yeah. The, the, yes, organizations need our brains and right. our hands. <laughs> yes. <Right>. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so when you are working with managers or leaders in organizations, are they coming to you with with this problem? And if so, you know, what is your advice to them? What are your tips for how they can help to kind of shift the tide with this problem? Yeah. So what I've been working on most recently is manager training around the parental leave transition. Mm. I, I know that that's um, a specific niche within the you know broader array of working parents who work mm-hmm. in an organization, but it's an important one mm-hmm. because if you lose them, when they're having the babies, then they're not going to be there when their kids are a little older anyway. But I think, you know, the themes, and this is an obvious one, but I mean, empathy is the biggest one. It's the mm-hmm. reminding managers that it is a very normal and human thing to do to have a child mm-hmm. and that it is not a stigmatizing thing. And it's something that anyone, not just having a child, but anyone could have to take a leave for any reason, any mm-hmm. caregiver reason. It could be that this, you know, 50 year old partner is 80 
year old mom is ill and needs to step out. So it's it's the human factor that I think needs to be emphasized. Another component that I spend a lot of time talking about is not making assumptions, but rather asking about what people need, right? There are a lot of assumptions that can be whenever a new parent comes back to work after having a baby. For example, if it's a mother about what she will or won't want to do in terms of taking on a big project or going on work travel. And to the extent managers can be trained to step back and say, oh, let me ask her (laughs) what her situation is and whether she wants to do this and what her thoughts are on this, we can change the narrative. Speaking of the dads, I also really encourage managers to watch their language around how they're speaking about uh, paternity leave. Um, For example, to reframe the question, oh, dad, are you planning to take a leave and change that to, oh, dad, when are you planning to take your Mm. leave? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's subtle things like that that can really help to change the culture and the dialogue within organizations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it, it seems so simple that even your tip to just ask Mm -hmm. the mother or the father about, you know, how they feel about taking a work trip, for example, Mm -hmm. instead of just assuming that because they have a little one at home, that that Mm -hmm. is off the table. Right. Um, Right. So yeah, good, good advice, advice that you would think would not be needed, but I think we, we all need to be reminded (laughs) of the simple things sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Not making assumptions that things don't need to be said too. Yeah. We, We all need to just articulate them, say them out loud, where everybody is, it is way better for you and your team and the company if everybody's talking about these issues instead of just gliding over them and forgetting, uh, ignoring them and hoping that they go away. They won't. Right. They'll still right. be there. Yeah. It's just that we won't be talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People will be angry and then they'll leave. So. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of the managers, how would you say that having a really supportive manager can help a new mother's well-being? can help to enhance it? Terry, I mean, it of the people I talk to about going through leave, the manager is the number one thing that makes or breaks their parental leave. Mm. And in this world, we have a conversation around winning the manager lottery and would that I wish it were not so mm-hmm. <laughs> that all managers were equally wonderful in this leave. But, you know, my husband is a career coach and he has this saying, which I think is probably pretty common that people don't leave organizations, people leave people. And so if someone's leaving an organization after they take a leave, it's probably because their manager or the people on their team were not particularly supportive Mm -hmm. of of how they were going back. So I think the manager can make a huge, huge world of difference and that there's a big opportunity to, you know, be training managers and for organizations to be really supporting the managers through the leave and return process, in addition to supporting the new parents through the leave and Mm -hmm. return process. You want the manager to feel like they have a team they can lean on as they're going through this too, because it's hard for the manager as well, right? They have to cope with somebody being out for a couple of months and no matter how empathetic they might be, they have to deal with the logistics of the day to day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what have been some, have you seen some best practices of organizations that have been supporting the managers through that process really well? Yeah. So a couple of organizations, in addition to doing the manager training that I mentioned earlier, you know, Mm -hmm. whether in a group session or, you know, one-on-one online course, that sort of thing. Another option in addition to that has been coming up with like a manager Q&A playbook. Like here are the questions Mm -hmm. that your person is likely to be grappling with or the issues Mm -hmm. that they're likely to be grappling with. Here are some things for you to think about and here are where you can find the internal resources about them. We're Mm -hmm. not, you know, conveying the message that we're not expecting you to know everything about all the policies related to leave and return and like, no, that's fine. We have these experts, but making sure the managers are being provided 
simple and useful and effective tools with real language in them that they mm-hmm. can crib, crib from has been something I think has been helpful because then the managers have some like words to put to the, their responses and at least know what issues they're going to be facing. They're, right. not, they're not blindsided by them. Yeah. 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 And then in terms of supporting them when the mother returns, what, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Yeah, I think it's the encouraging ongoing conversation Mm. and making sure that the manager has put on the calendar and even maybe being prompted by parental leave mentor or coach to to put conversations on the calendar so that the manager realizes that this is not an event, but a process of return. Mm -hmm. That it's not like, oh, after one week, everything's fine and they're back to normal, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. You know, I was talking to some folks at a law firm and they said, you know, often a person will come back from leave and be staffed on the same cases that they were on before, right? But then maybe three or six months down the line, those cases end. And then that person who was on leave finds themselves sort of struggling without work because they didn't have the next thing in the pipeline Uh, coming down uh the line that everybody else who had been there had queued up. And so it's really, I think, helpful for the manager to continue to check in on a regular basis, like every two months or, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure that even six months back, like the return isn't quite complete yet. I felt for myself going through it, it was sort of a year long transition Mm -hmm. and not a single day sort of return. Right. Right. And just having the awareness of that, that it's Mm -hmm. not like flipping a switch. It is like you said, a process that needs to be cared for and managed. Yeah. And I was going to say during the actual leave itself, if an organization can step in and provide some supports and resources and fill-ins, you know, I've seen great examples where departments have looked across like multiple departments instead of just being in silos and seeing where people were momentarily underutilized and bringing them in to be mm-hmm. like an internal maternity leave fill-in mm-hmm. for a couple of months. So it's not necessarily even that you need to bring in a temp or someone from the outside. You can just sort of look more holistically at your organization and say, how can we redistribute people just for a short period of time until this person is back? Right, right. And that then helps the talent pipeline, helps that exactly. person with their professional development. Um, all the things. Seems to be a win-win for all around. Everybody, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the manager who has lost someone to leave for a few months gets more hands on deck. Right. We're talking about. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a great idea. I love that. We We talked a little bit about kind of the empathy muscles of a manager. Why do you think that's so important to prevent the motherhood penalty and encourage mothers in particular to stay in the workforce? And and you might want to just start by defining what you, how you define the motherhood penalty. Right. So I think maybe the first time I encountered the research on the motherhood penalty was reading Bridget Schulte's book, Overwhelmed Work, Love and Play When No One Has the Time, which I think is totally Mm -hmm. and completely brilliant. Mm -hmm. And if I recall correctly from her book, the original research that she was citing was around job applicants and Mm -hmm. what percentage of um, applicants for a job were actually called in for an interview and then were actually offered the job when they Mm -hmm. signaled parenthood status on their resume. And the signaling of parenthood status by a woman made her, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head, the percentage, but a dramatically larger percentage, less likely to be called in for an interview Mm -hmm. and then dramatically lower in terms of hiring. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think this continues to play out in the workplace in terms of thinking of women for promotions and advancement. And so in order to not lose that pipeline to leadership within an organization, I think the awareness of this 
bias mm-hmm. to, to come up. And, you know, we've spent time talking in, around diversity, around implicit bias and mm-hmm. all these unconscious biases that we carry around. And we often associate woman with caregiver and, oh, if she's woman caregiver, then she can't be breadwinner. And if we can surface these unseen biases, then we can start doing something about them because then we know mm-hmm. we have them and we can take action mm-hmm. to make sure we're asking the questions instead of making assumptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, not just because it's the right thing to do, you know, or, but also because like we talked about before, there are so many benefits that are to be had so much skill development that can be happening when a woman, for example, is out on leave. And then, yeah, I was also going to say that, you know, there's research contrasting men and women's experience that illustrates this motherhood penalty and often shows a fatherhood bonus Mm. and the fatherhood bonus, you know, it said that, oh, well, the dad is more stable. And now he's got to take care of our family. So of course we should be paying him more. And there's also new research um, that has come out. I've just been reading this wonderful book called Caregiving Fathers in the Workplace Mm. by Jasmine Kelland. And I think it just came out last month. I'm going to be speaking to the author next week. But she shows that while it's true that there is this motherhood penalty and fatherhood bonus, when both men and women are being viewed as breadwinners, when you have a man show up as a caregiver, in the workplace and put on his dad hat and say, I want to leave early because I need to go pick up my son or whatever, then he gets penalized too. Hmm. And so it's a caregiving penalty. I think it's probably also a, you know, a penalty associated with sexism and mm-hmm. it's associated with caregiving. And mm-hmm. she found that men are likely to be mocked. They're often their flexibility is contingent upon the mother's absence. Oh, where's the mom? Uh, like, you know, you can uh-huh. go leave early only because you don't have anybody else right now. But if the mom's available, it's expected that she will go. So I just think there's tons to unpack here. Mm -hmm. We're not there yet, but the more we talk about it, the closer we'll get to wherever there is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I think that gets to what you were talking about too. Just talking helps with implicit bias as well to just surface it and Mm -hmm. make yourself and others aware of it. So I, mm-hmm. I think the theme of this podcast sounds like we should all just be talking. Uh huh. Yes. Let's stop being silent about all these topics. And then I, I know again with your, your legal background. So if we look at beyond it being the right thing to do beyond it being, <laughs> you know, that you're going to get a benefit because parents and caregivers have gained these skills during the leave time. Why else should organizations be concerned about supporting caregivers? Well, to lead me right up to that answer there, Terry, <laughs> probably one of the number one reasons that I have been called in to do manager training at organizations is because the general counsel is very concerned mm. about some behavior within the organization. And a general counsel is concerned because there are lawsuit uh, possibilities, right? Mm. I'm a Medicare reimbursement lawyer, Carrie. I'm a, I'm a healthcare lawyer. I don't do employment discrimination or pregnancy uh-huh. discrimination or family law. I don't know anything about that. And, and I know enough to know that it is often helpful for an employee to seek some counsel and advice when they think they might be being discriminated mm-hmm. against. And one organization that I always send people to is UC Hastings Work-Life Hotline. Mm -hmm. They have a wonderful team of folks you can reach out to by email or phone just to sort of bat around ideas about your own situation and find Mm -hmm. out whether you, what what your options are, both personally and legally. But I think, as you implied, there is legal risk for an organization. You know, I'm thinking of some 
sort of a group class action type lawsuits that have been brought against big organizations, big law firms by women who returned from parental leave and found their career options to have been limited and their work mm-hmm. to have been taken away upon their return. Mm-hmm. The path just was not as straightforward as it was you know, before they went on leave. Their reviews were not as positive and nothing had changed about the quality of their mm-hmm. work other than the fact that they had taken a leave. And so I think it re- represents a real legal risk to an organization to ignore this issue. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that's not the motivation, but (laughs) if all all else fails, (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. definitely um, can be a motivator, probably across the board for paying attention to the work that you're doing and, and taking care of their caregivers. I think sometimes people have in mind, oh, it's, it's a man that is the manager that is not treating the, you know, new working mother right tell me uh-huh. tell me more about that mm-mm. Mm-mm, that that may be true or mm-hmm. that may not be true at all i don't think you can um, assume the gender of the manager who is not particularly empathetic i mean i in my own personal experience i have had several managers in the time that i had small children and i can think of two who were remarkably empathetic Mm-hmm. And one who didn't have children of her own and said, like, take all the time you need because you will never get this time again. And whatever I can do it, if you want to face back in. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> I don't even know what I want, but thank you. <laughs> and then another manager who was a mother who said, oh, I don't know what the problem is. I don't know why this is so hard. Like, you should just be back and everything should be fine. And so I think, you know, the, the, there are varying perspectives of people mm-hmm. who manage and we can't make assumptions either about how they will behave. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we have, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that many of the women who are in our audience are falling into that more supportive category, but, but I think it helps to, to listen to the tips that you've given, regardless of if you are a man or a woman, just to remind yourself of um, those simple things like asking the questions and keeping the conversation going can be really helpful. What should a woman do if she doesn't have that, if she doesn't have a supportive manager? Hmm, that's a tough question, Terry, right? So a number of things. One, she should definitely find a posse of working parents mm-hmm. to be a part of, a community, mm-hmm. other people she can sort of check in with and gut check because mm-hmm. you can be really isolated and think it's just you having mm-hmm. a problem. And in fact, it's a society that's struggling with working parenthood. Mm-hmm. It's not just you. So I think that community aspect is really helpful. I mean, I mentioned UC Hastings Work-Life Law Hotline. If she thinks that there Mm -hmm. is a legal issue that she needs to talk through, she can do that. She can talk to a private employment attorney. Beyond that, I think it is a conversation with yourself and a longer career exploration about what your boundaries are, what you want in a manager, and what Mm -hmm. type of environment you're willing to be a part of. Mm -hmm. I would say that right now, because of the great resignation that we talked about previously, the people who are job searching have more power than Mm -hmm. previously, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're looking for flexibility in your next role or a workplace that supports your ability to also be a caregiver, you may be able to negotiate for that now because Mm -hmm. people want to hire more people. You can also, if you are exploring other options, be sure to ask people who are currently working there about their own situation. Mm -hmm. You know, feel them out about find other caregivers who work there and feel them out about how their experience has been mm-hmm. and ask pointed questions. 
you know, maybe it's after you get the offer, maybe it's before it's sort of up to you, mm-hmm. but before you take that job to really mm-hmm. sort of dig and find out what the culture is, because the culture really um, matters in these instances. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, you know, maybe even asking if there is a working parents resource group that's part of the organization. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that has skyrocketed over the past seven years. When I was first starting my first parent resource group, we called it the returning to work community. And it was really intended for brand new parents who were, mm-hmm. you know, were in the first couple of years of returning after baby. But then the second group that I formed when I, I went back into private practice at a law firm for six years and was a mm-hmm. partner there. And I co-founded a group that was basically for all working parents, no matter the ages of your kids. And when I did that, I realized that I was recreating the wheel and somebody else had to have done this. And so I started pulling together people who are more all leaders of working parent groups. And I started this group called the Working Parent Group Network for the leaders of working mm-hmm. parent groups. Mm-hmm. And initially we were maybe a dozen people and then maybe two dozen now there are 230 people in this group wow. all lead working parent groups in the government, for-profit, nonprofit, you know, legal, accounting, banking sectors all over the place. And so I feel like there is a rise in mm-hmm. interest in creating ERGs, uh, employee resource mm-hmm. groups and networks that are all focused on caregiving. And, mm-hmm. you know, the parent group that I founded at the law firm has since shifted and is now a caregiver group. So it's gotten even more broad, right? And more okay. inclusive. So I think that there's a shift toward that as well. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's another piece of good news. Another yes. trend line that's going the way, the direction that we would hope it would go. Organizations just now need to devote resources to these groups. Because, right. You know, uh, convening a brown bag lunch is helpful, but having some funds to be able to bring in a speaker and mm-hmm. rewarding the leaders of these groups with some FTE time and some resources yeah. is where we need to go next. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If someone's in an organization where there isn't one, mm-hmm. are there options besides, I mean, I guess one option would be to start one, mm-hmm. but are there other options, other places that they should be looking to find that group of support of other working parents? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, look in your, in your neighborhood, I'd say like, if you are taking your child to a childcare facility, like mm-hmm. a daycare, everybody else is there because they work. Right. So that's, <laughs> right. that was definitely a really supportive community of working parents that I found whenever mm-hmm. we boys to daycare. Mindful Return, the program that I run is a community-based program, right? So it's cohort-based. You go through the program with other people who are all returning to work around the same time you are. And then you're in this like ongoing Mindful Return alumni community. We have a Mindful Return 201 program for people who are past the return to work after Uh parental leave and still want more community and support. So I'd say, you know, feel free to check out our resources as well. But that community element is so, so important. Oh, and if I could just throw in one tip, if you're going to start a working parent group, please don't form it through your women's initiative, because then you're going to get just women. And I think this really needs to be a conversation that includes dads as well. So two tips, one, start it independently of the women's initiative and two, start it with two leaders, one who is a man, a mom, and one who is a dad. Uh So it, it really helps to get engagement. If you can have the face of the organization be both mom and dad. Right. That makes a lot of sense and probably something that wouldn't be as obvious um, Mm -hmm. to everyone. Well, I started two of these groups and the first one I started alone and no man ever came to (laughs) programs. And I started the second one with a guy who was a partner in the New York office of our law firm. And I'd say like a third to a half of everybody who came to any of the um, conversations were dads. So 
Interesting. It matters. It really matters. Definitely. I could see that. Well, one thing that I've heard you talk about that I'd love to hear more about before we let you go is how a woman's maternity leave can actually advance her career. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? (laughs) Yeah, I think I get on the same soapbox that Amy Henderson gets on about this, but (laughs) it is so exciting to me to read their research about the neuroscience about how our brains are the most plastic in the one year after having a child and just all the skills that we gain through parenthood that make us such amazing leaders. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that as working parents and somehow society tells us that we are less than whenever we return to work and we just can't be what we used to be and we won't measure up and we'll never be able to meet all the expectations, blah, 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 blah. And Mm -hmm. I call that garbage. I think that's (laughs) nonsense. (laughs) I know that I am a better employee. Well, I'm not an employee right now, but I'm a better, I'm better at my career. I'm better at my job and in my roles because I'm a parent and I'm a better parent because I do this other stuff as Mm. well. There's some wonderful research um, by Yael Schoenbrunn, who's a researcher at um, Brown University around work-life enrichment. And I am Mm. all about that. So I really do believe work enriches life and life enriches work. And we gain these amazing skills that we can apply to our jobs and that we really should be talking about more. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So many great resources you're adding to my reading list. (laughs) (laughs) I am a reader. I love, I've got the whole bookshelf. I've got like the whole bookshelf of the bookshelves of things that I haven't gotten to. Uh Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Of course. Well, we, we have one um, question that we've asked all of our guests on this season of moms that lead. Uh, So I'd Uh love to hear your thoughts on that. And that is what's one leadership lesson that you feel most passionate about passing on, whether that be to your kids, to your clients. Um, If you had to only choose one, what would that be? Arg, only one. (laughs) I know it's cruel. (laughs) I was I was waffling before this between two things, but I will, I will pick one and be decisive. And that is prioritization of the things that matter. Mm. I think in parenthood, I became laser focused on the daily priorities that needed to happen because I didn't have any margin Mm -hmm. my day for all the extra and the gossip and the detritus and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think on a more macro level, the ability to prioritize what matters means the ability to stand and ground in your own values instead of comparing yourself to the worker bee next door who might be there button chair for 12 hours a day. And I'd love for my sons, for example, to grow up saying, I know what matters and what matters to me is whatever, you know, spending time with this family member and being creative in my role and whatever else, but just being able to prioritize those things and then make time for them on your calendar and Mm -hmm. knowing why you're doing them, even if society is telling you to do something else, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is so key to, I mean, when you're grounded like that, it helps in all elements of your well-being and your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, you picked a good one there. So <laughs> <laughs> it was hard to, to narrow it down, but, yeah. but yes, I'll, I feel firmly committed to sticking with that one. All right. All right. Well, you've talked a little bit about your work. Where is the best place for people to go if they want to learn more about you or the programs that you offer? Sure. Thank you, Terry. So my website is www.mindfulreturn.com. You can find out all about our programs on there. We also have a page on the website specifically for employers who want to learn more about our resources. I am the author of a book called Back to Work After Baby that you can find on Amazon. 
I'm the co-host with my husband of um, the Parents at Work podcast that you can find on all the places that you find podcasts. And you can go over and find me on all the usual social media places, including Instagram at Mindful Return, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can link in with me and say, hey, I heard you on Terry's podcast, and uh, I would be happy to accept your LinkedIn invitation. I think that covers most of the spots. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will definitely make sure those all get linked. And I'm guessing that if someone wants to pick one best place, probably start with your website and then maybe they can find everything that you else you mentioned from there. Exactly. Start with the website, you know, follow me on Instagram and you can send me a DM for Instagram as well. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you again so much for your time today. This has been an energizing conversation because of, you know, just hearing the things that are moving in the right direction, even though there is so much more work to do. And thank you for your work in supporting caregivers in this critical time in their lives when so many others may not be supporting them or there may not be other resources for them. So thank you for that. Mm, Thank you so much, Terry. I really enjoyed our conversation as well. And love, love, love your focus on supporting women in leadership and helping them to grow all the important leadership muscles. We definitely have a shared passion in that regard. That was so much fun. I hope that you leave that conversation with a renewed hope, ideas for finding support when going through this transition in your life, and a knowledge of how beneficial your time as a parent can be for your leadership and your career. And as always, until next time, lead with love.